we'll see how far we get today. Uh, thank you for being here, and I'm going to ask Brother Billy Hillier to lead us in prayer as we begin our class. We go back up one incident to uh, start with Second Kings eight. Uh, you remember that Elisha had come to know a Shumanite widow, or no, a Shumanite woman, who, with her husband, was barren, and she had prayed, and he had prayed, and the woman, though out past age, had had a son, and then a little later, the son had died. And Elisha restored the son to life. And uh, chapter 8, verse 1 begins, Now Elisha had said to the woman whose son he had restored to life, Arise and depart with your household, and sojourn wherever you can. For the Lord has called for a famine, and it will come upon the land for seven years. So the woman took his advice and went into the land of the Philistines and lived there for some seven years. Then after the famine was over, she came back. And the king had taken over her land during the time that uh, it had been vacant and she had been gone. So she intended to come to the king and plead with him to let her have her land be restored to her. And uh, Gehazi was with the king. We saw a little bit ago where Gehazi had been struck with leprosy. Uh, none of these things seemed to be announced in chronological order. Uh, any other explanation for the fact that he doesn't have a leprosy, obviously at this time, uh, is, is unknown. But Gehazi was talking to the king, and the king had asked him to tell him all of the uh, mighty works that Elisha had done. And as he was doing so, he saw the woman coming to him whose son Elisha had restored to life. And he told the king that story just as the woman got there to ask for a her land to be restored. And recognizing her, realizing from Gehazi what, 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 who she was and what the Lord had done for her, he did restore her land. And not only that, gave her the produce that that land would have produced during those seven years. Uh, then you remember that uh, uh, Elijah was given three jobs and only got one of them done. He was told to uh, anoint Elisha as his successor, which he did. But he was also told to anoint Hazael as king of Syria and Jehu as king of Israel. And neither one of those had yet been done, although Elijah was dead. And Elisha would fulfill the rest of that com uh, uh, commandment. So here, um, Elijah came to Damascus and Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria was sick. And when it was told to him, the man of God has come. I know I've said this before, but I want to pause and say it again. Uh, man of God was a fairly common expression for a prophet. 
but Elisha is called man of God more than any other person in the Old Testament, or in the Bible for that matter. And uh, he is also uh, called man of God much more often than anything else. And so here, according to that tradition, uh, Hadad is told, the man of God has come near. And uh, they said, bring him to me and uh, take a present with him. And uh, it was customary, we've seen before, when somebody wanted something from a prophet to bring gifts. And uh, uh, so this is following that tradition. Uh, Hazel went to meet him and took a present with him, all kinds of goods and heavy camel loads. Then Hadad, the king of Syria, has sent to me to ask the question, shall I recover from this illness? And Elisha said to him, go say to him, you shall certainly recover. But the Lord has shown me that he will certainly die. As he fixed his gaze and stared at him, uh, Hazel was embarrassed. And the man of God wept. And Hazel said, why does my Lord weep? And he answered, because I know the evil that you will do to the people of Israel. You'll set fire to their fortresses. You'll kill their young men with a sword. You'll dash in pieces their little ones and rip open their pregnant women. And Hazel said, What is your servant who is but a dog that he should do such thing? And Elisha answered, The Lord has shown me that you are to be king over Syria. And then he departed from Elisha and came to his master. And he said to him, What did Elisha say to you? And he answered, He told me that you would surely recover. But the next day he took the bedcloth and dipped it in water, spread it over his face until he died. And Hazel became king in his place. Part of what's going on here is that Hazel had no plan, really, to kill his master and become king in his place until he was told by Elisha that that was the Lord's plan, and so he sort of adopted it for himself. Uh, There's a little footnote by the term bedcloth in my Bible, the English Standard Version, that, that says the actual meaning of that word in Hebrew is unknown. It doesn't occur very often. Not enough time to tell exactly what it means, but some kind of coverlet from the bed obviously is intended. And Hazel uh, uh, soaked it in water and held it over uh, Ben-Hadad's face until Ben-Hadad died and anointed himself as king. The next incident in the Bible is Jehoram reigns in Judah. In the fifth year of Joram, the king of Ahab, son of Ahab, king of Israel, when Jehoshaphat was king of Judah, Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, began to reign. Uh, mentioned before that there is a Jehoram, and oftentimes it's shortened to Joram, uh, in that reign it's about the same time in both Israel and uh, Judah. And this whole thing is hard enough to keep up with as you bounce back and forth from one to another. When both of them got the same name, it gets more complicated but we've got a Jehoram in both places. And this one is Jehoram, the son of Ahab. And uh, he was 32 years when he became king and he reigned, no, I'm sorry. Jehoram, the son of Ahab, is reigning in Israel when Jehoram, the son of uh, Joash, became uh, king in, in Judah. And he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel as the house of Ahab had done, for the daughter of Ahab was his wife, and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Uh, you 
you remember Athaliah was the son, daughter of Jehaz, was the daughter of uh, Jezebel, and had, had married uh, the son of the two kings of Israel and Judah, performed, made a pact with each other. And it's customary at that time there was a marriage to seal the pact. And so Jehoram had been married to uh, Athaliah, who was a who was a daughter of, uh, of uh, who was the daughter of, of Jezebel. Uh, notice verse 19. Yet the Lord was not willing to destroy Judah for the sake of David his servant, since he had promised to give him a lamp to him and his sons forever. Uh, God had promised to uh, uh, David that one of his sons would reign over the house of the people of God forever. That, of course, is fulfilled ultimately in the fact that Jesus, who was a descendant of David, continues to reign over the Israel of God. Uh, you and I are parts of that Israel. Uh, you'll remember that uh, Paul said in Galatians, you are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Therefore, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither male nor female, and there is neither bond nor free, but you're all one in Christ Jesus. And then get this, and you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Uh, God promised Israel that they would have the land and the other promises forever. All promises of God, of course, are contingent upon uh, our, our contingent plans. It's, there's always an if to it. Uh, it's if you remain faithful, if you continue to worship me. But if you do not continue to worship me, then the opposite will happen. But in this case, the promise is fulfilled because the children of God, you and I, are indeed children of Abraham. We are the eight heirs of Abraham, and we are the Israel of God. And consequently, as that Israel, uh, we have the promise still going, and the son of David is still reigning over us in Christ the Messiah, and we are part of his kingdom, although it's a spiritual kingdom and not a physical uh, kingdom. Uh, we talked about the word kesed, uh, which is translated in the, uh, in the English Standard Version as steadfast love. And basically it's a covenant word in which God is saying, I will keep my promises to you that I have made in my covenant, even when you are not faithful to your side of the covenant. Uh, that's not always forever, but it's, God is quite patient uh, regarding that and continues to bless Israel and Judah long after they were keeping their side of the covenant and, and obeying his, his word. And here it's reminded of the promise made to David. One of your children shall reign over the people of God forever, and through this period of time, uh, that's being taken place physically as the children of David continue to reign. And uh, Jehoram is in that, in, in that line. In his days, Edom revolted from the rule of Judah and set up a king of their own. Then Joram passed over the, to Zaire with his chariots and rose by night, and he and his chariot command attacked the Edomites who had surrounded him, but his army fled home. So Edom revolted from 
the rule of Judah to this day. And then Libna revolted at the same time. Now the rest of the acts of Joram and all that he did are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah. So Joram slept with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. And Ahaziah, his son, reigned in his place. It's a brief reign, but during that time, uh, before then, Edom was a, a, uh, had been conquered by Judah and paid tribute to Judah. And now they have rebelled and uh, no longer did. And up to the time when this was written, uh, Edom was still not subject to, uh, to Judah and Israel. And then also uh, Libna, which is another small city-state, are also revolted and uh, successfully uh, got from under the reign of Judah. So although he's not, uh, God is not taking the kingdom away from him, he's allowing others to gradually take away parts of it uh, So because of his uh, well, disobedience uh, to God. So in the twelfth year of Joram, the son of Ahab, king of Israel, Ahaziah, the son of Joram, Jehoram, king of Judah, began to reign. Ahaziah was 22 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned one year in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Athaliah. She was a granddaughter of Omri, and I would insert here a, a daughter of Jezebel, king of Israel. And he also walked in the way of the house of Ahab, and did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, as the house of Ahab had done, for he was son-in-law to the house of Ahab. So he went with Joram, the son of Ahab, to make war against Haziel, king of Syria, at Ramoth-Gilead. And the Syrians surrounded Joram, and King Joram returned and wounded him. And King Joram returned to be healed in, in Jezreel of the wounds that the Syrians had given him at Ramoth when he fought against Hazel, king of Syria. And Athaliah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, went down to see Jehoram, the son of Ahab in Jezreel, because he was weak. And Elisha the prophet called one of the sons of the prophets and said to him, Take up your, tie up your garments and take a flask of oil in your hand and go to Ramoth-Gilead. And the idea of taking, tying up your garments is get there in a hurry. Uh, like a lady or a woman in a long dress has to sort of hike it up when she's running. Uh, the men who wore similar things, long togas, if they wanted to run fast, had to, had to hike them up. So hike up your dress, they're saying, or hike up your clothes and put a flask of oil in your hand and, uh, and run to Ramoth Gilead. And when you arrive, look for Jehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, son of Nimshi, and go in and have him rise from among the, the fellows and lead him into an inner chamber. Then take the flask of oil and pour it on his head and say, Thus says the Lord, I anoint you king over Israel. Then open the door and do not flee. Do not, do not, and, and do not linger, but flee. So this is uh, Elisha fulfilling the last of the three uh, tasks that God had left Elijah. We've already seen how Elijah appointed Elisha to be his successor. We've seen how Elisha then appointed uh, Hazel to be king over Syria. And now the final thing that God had told Elijah to do, they're appointing Jehu to be king over uh, Israel. 
one of the things Jehu will do when he becomes king of Israel is completely wipe out the worshipers of Baal. Uh, that was really the task that uh, God was giving uh, Elijah. He mentioned after he had told him to do these three things, he told them that this would uh, do away with the worship of Baal in, in Egypt. And now uh, Jehu is about to fulfill the third part of, of that. So uh, the young man, the servant of the prophet, went to Ramoth Gilead. When he came, behold, the commanders of the army were in council. And he said, I have a word for you, O commander. And Jehu said, to which of us? And he said, to you, O commander. So he arose and went out of the house. And the young man poured the oil on his head, saying to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anoint you king over the people of the Lord over Israel. And you shall strike down the house of Ahab, your master, so that I may avenge upon Jezebel the blood of my servants, the prophets, and the blood of all the servants of the Lord. For the whole house of Ahab shall perish. And I will cut off from Ahab every male, bond or free, in Israel. And I'll make the house of Ahab like the house of Jehoram, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Baasha, the son of Ahijah. And the dogs will eat Jezebel in the territory of Jezreel, and none shall bury her. And then he opened the door and fled. That last part was a fulfillment, was a prophecy that uh, Elijah had also given back when uh, Ahab had stolen the uh, vineyard of Naboth. And uh, uh, he's re- repeating it here that uh, when Jezebel dies, uh, she'll not go through a regular burial. It is done to people who, do, who deserve any honor. But instead, uh, she'll be eaten by the wild animals. When Jehob came out to the servant of the master, they said to him, Is all well? What did this mad fellow come to you and said to him, You know the fellow and his talk? And they said, this is not true. Tell me now. And he said, thus and so he spoke to us, saying, thus says the Lord, I mind you, I anoint you king over Israel. Then in haste, every man of them took his garment and put it under him on the bare step. And they blew the trumpet and proclaimed Jehu is king. Uh, the Taking their garments and putting them under the bare ground or bare concrete that he was walking on was a symbol of respect. You'll remember when Jesus uh, did his triumphal entry into Jerusalem that uh, the people there spread their garments for his donkey to walk on. So that's a sign of respect and acceptance of his uh, kingship. And uh, so when Jehu says this, immediately uh, most of the commanders who were with him also accepted him as king, and, and showed their respect to him in, uh, in that way. Thus Jehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nimshi, conspired against Joram. Now Joram, with all, remember Joram just reigned one year. Joram, with all Israel, had been on guard at Ramoth-Gilead against Hazel, king of Syria. But King Joram had returned to be healed of, into Jezreel of the wounds that uh, the Syrians had given him when he fought with Hazel, king of Syria. So Jehu said, if this is your decision, then let no one slip out of the city or go and tell the being in Jezreel that if this is your decision, is to his fellow commanders who had shown their support of him as, uh, as king. 
Then Jehu mounted his chariot and went to Jezreel, for Joram lay there. And Isaiah, king of Judah, had come down to visit Joram. Now the watchman was standing on the tower. This is a good story to remember. The watchman was standing on the tower in Jezreel and saw the company of Jehu as he came and said, I see a company. And Joram said, take a horseman and send to meet them and let him say, is it peace? So a man on horseback went to meet him and said, thus says the king, is it peace? And Jehu said, what do you have to do with peace? Turn around and ride behind me. And the watchman responded saying, the messenger reached him, but he's not coming back. Then he sent out a second horseman who came to them and said, thus the king has said, is it peace? And Jehu answered, what do you have to do with peace? Turn around and, and, and ride behind me. Again, the watchman responded, he heard them, but he's not coming back. And here's an interesting sentence, often quoted. And the driving was like the driving of Jehu, the son of Nimshi, for he drives furiously. Uh, you may know somebody to whom that has been applied. Uh, it, it oftentimes is by knowledgeable Bible people who know somebody who, who drives furiously. Uh, uh, Jehu had that reputation. Joram said, make ready. And they made ready his chariot. Then Joram, king of Israel, and Ahaziah, king of Judah, went out each in his chariot and went to meet Jehu and met him at the property of Naboth the Jebusite. How about that? And then when Joram saw Jehu, he said, Is it peace, Jehu? And he answered, What peace can there be so long as the whoring and the sorceries of your mother Jezebel are so many? Then Joram reigned about and fled, saying to Hazziah, Treachery, O Hazziah. And Jehu threw his bow with his full strength and shot Joram between the shoulders so that the arrow pierced his heart, and he sank in his chariot. Jehu said to Bildar at his side, Take him up and throw him on the plot of ground belonging to Naboth the Jezreelite. For remember when you and I were in sod beside uh, behind Ahab his father, how the Lord made his denouncement against him. So, so as surely as I... Stand here on the land of on the blood of Naboth and the blood of his sons, declares the Lord. I'll repay you on this plot of ground. Now, therefore, take him up and throw him on the plot of ground in accordance with the word of the Lord. And when Ahaziah, the king of Judah, saw this, he fled in the direction of Beth Hagen. And Jehu pursued him and said, shoot him also. And they shot him in the chariot as the ascent of the gush, which is by... And he fled to Megiddo and died there. His servant carried him in a chariot to Jerusalem and buried him in the tomb of his fathers in the city of David. And in the eleventh year of Joram, the son of Ahab, Ahaziah, began to reign over Judah. When Jehu came to Jezreel, when when Jehu came to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it. This is a famous scene. And she painted her eyes and adorned her head and looked out of the window. And as Jehu entered the gate, she said, Is it peace, you Zimri, murder of your master? Uh, before then, Zimri had murdered his, his king and made himself king for five or six days. And uh, so she's asking you to do the same thing that, 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 that Zimri has done. And... Uh, have you, and you are the murderer of your master. And Jehu lifted up his face to the window and said, Who is on my side? Who? And two or three eunuchs looked down at him and said, 
And he said, throw her down. So they threw her down, and some of the blood splattered on the wall and on the horses, and they trampled on her. Then he went in the, in, in, and ate and drank, and he said, see now at this cursed woman, and bury her, for she is a king's daughter. But when they went to bury her, they found no more of her than the skull and her feet and the palms of her hand. And when they came back and told him, he said, This is the word of the Lord, which he spoke by his servant Elijah the Tishbite. In the territory of Jezreel, the dog shall eat the flesh of Jezebel. <coughs> and the corpse of Jezebel shall be as dung on the face of the field. And in the memory of Jezebel, in the memory of Jezreel, so that no one can say this was Jezebel. Jezebel. No body left to be identified. That's the accordance with the prophecy of God through Elijah back in 1 Kings 11 and verse 23. Uh, so Naboth, uh, the Jezreelite, has been avenged uh, through the Ahab and Jezebel who had done him wrong, lied against him, and taken his, uh, his, his, his vineyard. Any comment or question to that point? Uh, a lot of history of Israel here that Elijah is involved in. One of the things to be said about Elijah is that uh, while some of the prophets were adversaries to the kings they served under, uh, Elijah was very often an anointer and, uh, and an advisor to the kings and seemed to be close to several of them down through this period of time. And uh, at this point, uh, he has anointed or had, had, it, had it done, anointed Jehu to be king of Israel, and uh, uh, and Jehu is sort of beholden to him and continues to look to him for uh, advice. Then Jehu's daughter, Jehu, slaughters Ahab's descendants, is the heading of the next section in chapter 10. Now Ahab had 70 sons in Samaria. So Jehu wrote letters and sent them to Samaria, to the rulers of the day and city, and to the elders, and to the guardians of the sons of Ahab, saying, Now then, as soon as this letter comes to you, seeing your master, master's sons are with you, and they are with you chariots and horses, fortified cities and weapons, select the best and finest of your master's son, and set them on his father's throne, and fight for your master's house. But they were exceedingly afraid and said, Behold, the two kings could not stand before him. How then can we stand? So he who was in the palace and he who was over the city, together with the elders and the guardians, sent to Jehu, saying, We are your servants, and we will do all that you tell us. We will not make anyone king. Do whatever is good in your eyes. And then he wrote to them a second letter, saying, If you are on my side, and if you are ready to obey me, take the heads of your master's sons, and come to me at Jezreel tomorrow at this time. Now the king's son, 70 persons, went to the, with the great men of the city who were bringing them up. And as soon as the letter came to them, they took the king's sons and slaughtered them, 70 persons, and put their heads in baskets and sent them to him at Jezreel. When the master came and told him they brought the heads of the king's sons, he said, lay them in two heaps at the entrance of the gate until the morning. Then in the morning when he went out, he stood and said to all the people, You are innocent. It was I who conspired against my master and killed him, but who struck down all these. Know then that there shall be 
there shall fall to the earth. This is significant. Know then that there shall fall to the earth nothing of the word of the Lord, which the Lord spake concerning the house of Ahab. Obviously, fall to the earth is a synonym for fail to come to pass. And it's all going to happen, just like God had said it would to the children of Abraham. When I look up this way, I quit being heard. Can you still hear me back there? I don't see anybody nodding or (laughs) shaking their head either. Okay. Um, The Lord has done what he said by his servant Elijah he would do. So Jehu struck down all who remained of the house of Ahab in Jezreel, all the great men and his close friends and his priests, and he left him none remaining. And then he set out and went to Samaria. And on the way, when he was at Bethel of the shepherds, Jehu met the relatives of Ahaliah, king of Judah, and said, Who are you? And they answered, We are the relatives of Ahaziah. And we came down to visit the royal princes and the sons of the queen mother. He said, Take them alive. And they took them alive and slaughtered them at the pit of Beth Echad, 42 persons, and spared none of them. So Jehu is being vicious, obviously, but at the Lord's command, uh, wiping out those who had brought uh, Baal into the worship of, of, of Israel, and it caused Israel, therefore, uh, to sin. And when he departed from there, he met Jonadab, the son of Rechab, coming to meet him. And he greeted him and said, Is your heart true to my heart as mine is to yours? And Jehoiadad answered, It is. Jehu said, If it is, give me your hand. So he gave him his hand, and Jehu took him up with him into the chariot. And he said, Come with me and see my zeal for the Lord. So he had him ride in his chariot, and when he came to Samaria, he struck down all who remained to Ahab in Samaria, till he had wiped them out, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke to Elijah. When uh, slaughter like that is being done at the word of the Lord, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's important to remember that uh, this is the commandment of God for several reasons. Uh, the worship of Baal was such an attractive thing to the people of Israel because of the sexual mores that were involved in it that uh, God knew that if any of it remained it would seduce the children of Israel to follow Baal and not, and not the Lord. And he also uh, gave this kind of commandment and the fact that it's somebody at his, some person at his uh, command is carrying it out still makes it no different from what had happened at Sodom and Gomorrah when fire and brimstone fell upon the city and, and devoured and killed all of them. Just a different instrument being used. Uh, and the point is that the wickedness and evil of uh, the people that worship Baal is being done away with so that they will not cause the children of Israel anymore to be, uh, uh, go after Baal and therefore to forsake the Lord. Comment to hear or question at this point? Yes. Yes.
Well, that is an interesting story. That is an interesting story. And uh, uh, archaeology is so often touching on the Bible story and, and oftentimes uh, confirming what the Bible says about it. Thank you for your expertise in that area. All right? Uh, Jehu strikes down the prophets of Baal. Jehu assembled all the people and said to them, Ahab served, Jehu, Ahab served Baal a little, but Jehu was serving much. I don't know how he thought those people who knew what had gone on would believe him, but nevertheless, that's what he said. Now therefore call to me all the prophets of Baal, all, that his, all of his worshipers and all of his priests, that none be missing, for I have a great sacrifice to offer to Baal, Whoever is missing shall not live. But Jehu did it with cunning in order to destroy the worshippers of Baal. Jehu said, Sanctify a solemn assembly for Baal. So they proclaimed it. And Jehu sent throughout all Israel, and all the worshippers of Baal came, so that there was not a man left who did not come. And they entered the house of Baal, and the house of Baal was filled from one end to the other. He said to them who were in charge of the wardrobe, Bring the vestments for all the worshippers of Baal. So he brought out the vestments for them. Then Jehu went into the house of Baal, which Jehonadab, the son of Rechab. And he said to the worshippers of Baal, Search and see that there is no servant of the Lord here among you, but only the worship of Baal. Then they went in to offer sacrifice and burnt offering. Now Jehu had stationed 80 men outside and said, The man who allows any of those whom I give into your hand to escape shall forfeit his life. So as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offering, Jehu said to the guard and to his officers, Go in and strike them down, let not a man escape. So when they put them to the sword, the guard and the swords cast them out and went to the inner room of the house of Baal. And they brought out the pillar that was in it, the house of Baal, and burned it. And they demolished the pillar of Baal and demolished the house of Baal and made it a latrine to this day. Uh, to this day would be to whatever time Second uh, Kings was being written. Uh, pretty uh, interesting that they turned the house of Baal into what's here called a latrine. Anybody have a King James Version? What does it say it was turned into? Here at uh, uh, verse uh, 27 of uh, 2 Kings 10. Pardon? Refuse dump. Okay. Now we know what kind of refuse dump. Uh, okay. Any question or comment to that point? Some deceit being used here by uh, uh, Jehu. Nothing says that God commanded the deceit to be used. It did fulfill God's purpose at this point, and it's recorded, and that's all that's said about it. Then Jehu wiped out Baal from Israel. But Jehu did not turn aside from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which he made Israel to sin. That is, the golden calves that were in Bethlehem, and in Dan, in Bethel, and in Dan. Uh, that's continually said about the kings of Israel, and even those who were zealous for the worship of the Lord, and who uh, wiped out the, the idolatry that worshipped other gods. So it is important to remember, although uh, it's still disobeying, disobeying the command of God, that the golden calves in Bethel and Dan were actually intended to represent of the Lord. Golden calves started, of course, uh, at the time when Moses was up on the mountain and uh, uh, f- receiving the Ten Commandments, 
and came down to find that the people had, were breaking one of the Ten Commandments as he got there, that you shall not make unto thee any graven image uh, and uh, anything of anything which works upon the earth and, and, and worship them. So they were worshiping Jehovah. That's what, what Aaron said when uh, Moses came down, pointed to the golden calves and says, These are the God, this is the God of, of Israel who, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Uh, the golden calves were intended to represent Jehovah, but uh, Jehovah did not accept that because he had commanded that there should be no graven images used even in worship to him. Uh, so God wants the, to be, to worship to be to the right God, and he also wants it to be like God has said that it should be. Is a lesson to be brought from that point. The Lord said to Jehu, Because you have done well in carrying out what is right in my eyes, and have done to the house of Ahab according to all that was in my heart, your sons of the fourth generation shall sit on the throne of Israel. But Jehu was not careful to walk in the wall of the Lord, the God of Israel, in all his heart. He did not turn from the sins of Jeroboam, which he made Israel to sin. In those days, the Lord began to cut off all parts of Israel. Hazael defeated them throughout the territory of Israel. And you remember, uh, Elijah had wept because of what he knew Hazael would do to uh, the people of God and the people of Israel. Uh, Hazael defeated them throughout the territory of Israel. From the Jordan eastward, all the land of Gilead, the Gadites and the Reubenites and the Manassites, from Amet, which is by the valley of Ammon, that is Gilead and Bashan. Now the rest of the acts of Jehu and all that he did and all his might, are they not written in the book of the Chronicle of the Kings of Israel? So Jehu slept with his fathers, they buried him in Samaria, and Jehoahaz, his son, reigned in his place. The time that Jehu reigned over Israel in Samaria was 28 years. Okay, we're about at the end of our time. Uh, we'll start next time at chapter 11, uh, verse 1, and uh, continue on. And very shortly we'll find Elisha's death, which will bring us to the end of our study of Elijah and Elisha. There are several interesting other prophets in here who, like Elijah and Elisha, are oral prophets and not writing prophets, uh, but quite interesting nevertheless. And we'll use the rest of the time to look at those prophets, some anonymous and some not, who served the Lord very valiantly and uh, with, uh, with great honor. Uh, we'll start next week in chapter 11, verse 1.